0: Here's the big question. What if you had to start over from scratch and build a business with limited time and resources? Maybe the economy just pulled the rug out from under you, or you're in a business that's underperforming or a career that's going nowhere. How would you flip the switch to go from where you're at to where you wanna go? A profitable business that supports your family and allows you to live the life you were meant to live. My name is Jason Liu. And each week, I'm gonna bring you guests that are further down the road while documenting my own journey. Welcome to the business of feeling good. So welcome to the business of feeling good. I am totally excited and pumped to have today's guest, uh, Jess Glazer. Um, She has lived, I don't know how many lives, but uh, kind of diving into her background a little bit. um, She obviously comes from a background of uh, competing, um, in gymnastics. Uh, she was phys ed, phys ed teacher for, I think, eight years, um, wore a kind of, I think, fashion hat for just a quick little minute made bags, which I'd love to hear about here. And then went on to, uh, transition, um, to really go out there and help. I don't know if this is still the case, Jess, you can correct me, but, um, burnt out, was it burnt out physical fitness professionals build profitable businesses or has it pivoted from there?
1: Yeah, it's pivoted a little bit yet again. So now it's just really any entrepreneur or solopreneur, entrepreneur, side yeah. hustler.
0: Yeah, that's awesome. And she's got this incredible business. Um, I know she donates heavily to Pencils of Promise. Um, she's a handstand freak, um, and she she goes out there and really has this heart of service. She's built out an incredible platform called Empower You, which I'm sure she'll talk about. But I'm just honored to have her here today because like a lot of entrepreneurs, we've gone through pivots, we've gone through changes, and it hasn't always been the easiest or the prettiest. Um, so we're gonna, kinda diving into it today. Jess, thanks for being here, Um, and we're going to kind of go somewhat, we're going to jump a little and then come back to you sharing your story, but one of the things I really noticed, and I loved about hearing from previous podcasts and interviews, is you have this ability to really, I think... um, You know, people ask you about the support you have. And I know you've got a husband, you've got an incredible family that supported you along the way. But one of the things I've noticed about you is you'll always backtrack just a second and say, hey, if you don't have that support, if you don't have these people in your life, um, that's okay. And I think it's such a great tell of a great teacher that you're able to see it from so many different perspectives. I'm just curious, like, was that something that you've always had? Was that instilled in you? Where does that come from?
1: Mm, I love this question. But Jason, first of all, thank you for having me. And you've done your homework. If you found the fashion piece, (laughs) the smallest dent in my life. um. I
0: was like, who was making bags (laughs) at their gym? This is incredible.
1: (laughs) So funny. Um, Yeah, but, you know, to answer your question, has it always been there? Have I always felt that way? I think, honestly, part of it probably came from my eight years as a teacher and just really understanding working with so many different students and different types of learners and families and different um, challenges. And so I really was able to start seeing things from a different lens where we might come from the same town and be in the same school, right? But we have very different home lives. And I've been able to translate that into just business now and working with clients now. And we're coming from all these different places. And on the outside, it might look very cookie cutter, but we really all just have such a different home life
0: Yeah, and different yeah, mindset. Man. Yeah. I think one thing that, um, at least in my experience, really was overlooked, I've had multiple business coaches and some incredible people come through my life. And what's been so funny is that we talk a lot about kind of the how and the what and how do you get after it? And how do you make it? And all those are really important things. But I think so often, um, we overlook the the home life and the balance. How do you kind of figure that out? Like, how do you Stop from going into. I've been in burnout so often, like you just go, 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 go. How do you find that balance at home, maybe it's with your husband um, or with your family? Like, how do you carve out that time for yourself?
1: I'm still, I'm still working on that. <laughs> <laughs> Lifelong learner. Um, I don't really believe in balance, actually. That oh. word kind of gets under my skin a little bit just because I really feel that there are seasons. Yeah. And I think that sometimes, especially if you're building a business, maybe you're new you know, a new parent and you have a family, I think there are seasons. And sometimes one area of our life takes a little bit more of our attention and energy. And then we kind of swing the pendulum back to another area of our life. So I think it's really learning to dance in between rather than try to find this like even balance, but checking in with myself, checking in with my husband, checking in with my family, whether it's quarterly, you know, maybe 30, 60 days and just, just a verbal, I don't have to send out a Google form, you know, but just a verbal kind of, how are we doing? How are you feeling? And Looking at the calendar, wow, we haven't had a date night in like sixty days. Maybe it's time to swing the pendulum back. And I think it's just important to have open communication. So between your clients, your friends, your spouse if you have one, and really just kind of ask and honor how do we all feel right now.
0: Absolutely. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. Um, I had a my wife my wife and I have a like a standing date on on Fridays. where we'll just grab lunch together. And it's one of those things where we'll always just kind of check in and say, hey, you know, how are things? Like what's what's new in your world? Because sometimes it's just like everything is go and you're so used to the routine that it's so easy to just kind of miss those moments too. So I love yeah. what you said there. Yeah, yeah that's fantastic. Um, so let's kind of dive back a little bit. Tell me a little bit about kind of, I think everyone sees the incredible business that you've built today they may not see the backstory to it. So do you mind kind of giving us kind of like the 30,000 foot view a little bit of kind of how did we end up with uh, this Jess Glazer and this Empower You?
1: Yeah. Oh my gosh. If you would have told me 30,000 feet ago, right? Like I would have never imagined. So I love this. Um, Like so many people, I've pivoted a lot. And I think that as humans, we're we're multi-passionate and that's okay. And I don't think that there's anything wrong with that. Now where I am looking back, I realized that those pivots at the time, I thought they were failures and I thought that I was quitting. So I never Mm -hmm. thought of myself as a quitter, but I realized that I did kind of leave different jobs or different hobbies. And so I thought I was quitting and I thought Mm -hmm. I was failing. And now I can see that those were just stepping stones on this path that actually make me really unique and robust because I have a lot of expertise in a lot of different areas. And so that's pretty cool. But it started with um, high level competitive gymna- gymnastics. I traveled the world, you know, I was training in France when I was 12. That was pretty cool. So that was the path. And so I went to college for my doctorate of physical therapy. When I was there, my parents had kind of lightly encouraged me to get a teaching degree to quote unquote fall back on because I had always coached and I always worked in a gym. I was a certified personal trainer by the age of 17. I was teaching group fitness classes. It just kind of was my thing. And so I taught classes through college, trained clients, um, ended up leaving my doctorate program the first year of grad school. At the time, I felt like I was having a quarter-life crisis. In hindsight, I was working through a 10-year battle with an eating disorder, and I really just needed space. And in that space, tapped back into my creative side, which my mom is an artist. She has been my whole life. So I mm-hmm. always kind of made my own clothing, and like we played around in the art studio. Um, so that's where I just accidentally kind of fell into fashion, which was really my first stint at entrepreneurship. I don't come from a family of of entrepreneurs at all, but um, I was making handbags like you alluded to. And people would ask me all the time, where's that from? Where did you buy that? And when I would tell them that I made it, the answer was always, you should sell them. I didn't really think that was an option because we just didn't do that in my family. And so the gym that I was working at at the time, a mom and pop gym, they said, why don't you set up a booth? Why don't you sell your handbags? It was for Valentine's day. And I didn't have... I didn't have stock, right? I had a couple handbags that I had made myself. So I put them out at the table. I I actually brought my mom with me to sit for the day. I said, if I sell a couple, cool. And at the end of the day, we ended up selling just about $6,000 worth of orders. Yeah, orders. So I didn't have inventory. We then went back home and started a sweatshop of just like pumping out these handmade purses. And by the end of that weekend, I had a domain name. I had business cards and I decided to apply to FIT, Fashion Institute. So yeah I went from physical therapy to uh fashion school was very unhappy living on my brother's couch in New York just did not love the industry did not love what I was doing so used that teaching degree that my parents told me to get and ended up teaching elementary school phys ed and health for 8 years and it was in that time that I really was unfulfilled um I love kids I love teaching and coaching but I had a lot of emptiness yeah. And in the time that I would leave school, you know, I'd get home at three twenty-five, and my husband was getting home at whatever, nine o'clock at night. I had a lot of time. I'm a doer, very type A. And so I just was doing, and I was creating all of these little side businesses here and there and started dabbling in online training for health and fitness in 2013 and 14, got involved with the network marketing company for a little while, mm-hmm. started my own um, women's empowerment, monthly field trip events, that went national, turned international. I just kind of was like trying to fill the cup all the time. I just felt very empty and I was trying to fill that and just ended up kind of pulling the safety net, if you will, and left teaching in 2017 to pursue this entrepreneurship thing. And I didn't know what it was going to turn into, but that was, that was the plan.
0: Was there a, when you said you pulled the net, um, what was the story behind kind of, was there a I don't know. Was there a moment where you just said, Hey, like I need to do this because I think so often I work with a lot of clients that sometimes are like, I'm afraid to step off that cliff a little bit. Like, I don't know when it's right for me. And I know everyone's story is different. Um, but I think it does help. Like, I, I think that just hearing different people's perspective of what made that final push of like, I'm going to try it. Um, was there a moment for you?
1: Absolutely. Clear as day, so one thing that I love to talk about is a lot of times people say things like, "'Oh my God, you were so brave or Wow, where did you find the courage? And for me, I want you to understand it wasn't about being brave or courage so i didn't I didn't leap and try to find my wings. I was so uncomfortable, I was so unhappy in my own that. life, yeah, like I just had to make a change, so it wasn't about being brave and figuring it out on my way down, it was just like, I can't do this anymore. Yeah. And the moment itself was, I was driving to school in October. I was crying on my way to school, and, which was kind of a normal thing, listening to a podcast. I, don't, I wish I could remember who it was. It was probably Lewis Howes, to be honest, Yeah. because um, this was so many years ago. And the guy was interviewing a woman. She was a teacher, and she had a jewelry line that she was selling on Etsy, and she wanted to leave teaching to do this jewelry thing. And he said, okay, so if you leave teaching for a year, you give it a shot and it doesn't work out, what would be the worst case scenario? What would you do? And she said, I don't know. I'd probably go back to teaching. I might have to go to a different district, but I've been a teacher for a decade. So I would just go back to teaching. And it was the question that he asked her that flipped my entire world upside down in one moment. He said, okay, how does it feel to wake up every day and live in your worst case scenario? I know. I pulled the car over. I was hysterical crying. I text Mike. I said, I can't do this anymore. I'm done. I'll, ma- I'll figure it out. Because for me, I was, I, and listen, teaching is incredible. It's admirable. And I love every teacher out there. I'm not squashing the job. But for me, I was living in my worst case scenario. And I realized that I could, what I would have to do is kind of put my ego aside. And I might have to go back to a job that I thought I was above or that you know, was beneath me or that I didn't really want to be doing or that I wasn't super passionate about, right. but the alternative was staying in this worst case scenario. And so I just kinda, that was it. I said, I, I just I can't do this anymore. If I have to be a waitress or a bartender or go back to training full-time, working at a box gym, like I'll go to Starbucks, be a barista, I will do whatever I have to do because I can't do this anymore.
0: It's that's an incredible moment. Um, and such a gut punch of a question. Um, <laughs> what, um, when you look back at that area and kind of think back to that space, I, I've i battled with this and, and my wife's on a different space. She's like always sure of who she is and what she's about. Did you ever doubt like, the difference between, I think in personal development, we always hear this idea of you've got to take responsibility of your, your you know, what's happening in your life. How do you change your state? What do you do to, to you know, figure out where you're at and move forward? I guess what I'm getting to right now is that um, how do you know the difference between being in a place where I'm just unhappy or I have to change in order to make the situation better? I've always battled with those two, if that makes any sense.
1: Hmm. How do you distinguish the difference? I mean... I don't, I don't know. This is a great question. I guess one thing when I'm feeling stuck is just um, changing my environment and moving my body. So if I'm stuck on a decision, if I'm stuck on what to do, if I'm stuck with being unhappy, if I'm having one of those days where I'm just like blah, the things that work for me are generally either getting out in nature or changing my physical environment. So leaving the room that I'm in, leaving the job that I'm at, which I've done many, many times now, leaving the group of friends maybe that I'm hanging around and really just kind of shifting things up so it almost like rattles your perspective Um, and then when you're in the new space you can kind of reflect back a little bit easier or that's how I feel and I'm able to kind of zoom out and say okay was it the environment and my space or is it this thing that I'm actually going through and if it's this thing that I'm going through then what is the next action step that I can take and I think that that's where there's a gap we all sit in this consumptionitis and infobesity, right? But we don't infobesity, take that's a good action. One. <laughs> yeah. An action is going to be the thing that's going to help propel you forward, whether you try something and it fails, quote, unquote, right? It's just a lesson. Or you try something and it works. Either way, that's going to be the thing that distinguishes like what direction you're going into next.
0: That's really great. Um, so let's go back to you just... Got gut-punched by Lewis. <laughs> I, I <think laughs> you called your funny. husband and you're like, hey, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm switching, I'm changing. Yeah. How, what was kind of, where did you go from there? What was the kind of starting platform? Like, I've got to wrap my head around this. And I'm going to start by doing these couple things.
1: I love that you just asked me this because I think this is where people don't see what actually happened behind the scenes. Hmm. So the conversation that night at dinner was lengthy. This was October of 2016. Um, we then kind of reverse engineered what it would look like for us financially. We own a home. What are we going to do with it? We were going to be moving from one state to another. Um, so just kind of really working through all that, making a final decision by the holidays in December, telling my parents, which was the hardest part, um, because I thought for sure yet again, that I was going to disappoint them, disappoint them, which I was so wrong. I was so, so wrong. I didn't, wasn't disappointing them. It was actually my father who I was most scared to tell said first of all i was in my 30s he's like you're an adult do what you want you're married you're an adult but also he said and i will never forget um you didn't go to college to be a teacher he's like that was never the plan we kind of encouraged you to do it and it's something that you're good at but it's okay so we support you and i'm very grateful for that um so we reverse engineered it all and then when we came back from holiday break in january i told my principal which was not an easy conversation to have and we went back and forth for two weeks they tried to offer me, um, what is it, like mental health leave for a year for sabbatical, test it out, come back. And I said, you know, I'm done. I'm very much done. But what it looked like at that point was then four months of preparing on the back end. So we used to live in New Jersey. We were moving into Manhattan. And I knew that I was going to be stepping back kind of into the fitness industry because that was my that was my default. It was an easy thing for me to kind of fall back on. And it's something that I've been doing. At the time, I had been doing it for 15 years working as a trainer. So what I did was three or four nights a week, I would get home from school and instead of working on my side hustle, I would take the train into Manhattan. I would commute an hour and a half. I would show up at all the different fitness studios in the city that I saw on social media and I would introduce myself to all of the trainers and I just started getting in the room and I did this three or four nights a week and then I would take the train back and it would be, you know, nine or 10 o'clock at night. And I'd wake up at five in the morning to go back to the gym. And and I did this for months. And so I started kind of planting the seeds, both in the universe, if that's something that you believe in, right? And just putting it out there and actually in these different places, becoming friends with these different trainers and just showing my face. And so by the time we actually moved, when we got here, everybody in the fitness industry was like, wait, you don't live here? Hold on. You're not in the industry. Where did you come from? (laughs) Um, But it was really uncomfortable. Like it wasn't fun. It wasn't sexy. It was, I was grinding. I was putting in the time.
0: And what's, I love that you met it all head on. I think so often there's, there's a lot of people I meet and myself included at times where you'll just dance around it. And I think what's great about you sharing that is, you met the hard conversations that you thought were going to be really challenging, which turned out beautifully, but we never know how that's going to happen, right? Having those conversations with your parents, employer, principal, all those things. And then saying, look, I'm, I've got a strategy here. I'm just going to put myself in these rooms so I can be around the right people. Um, one of the things I know that happens during that time is that we have a lot of self-talk and there's a lot of self-doubt that can happen there. Did you experience it at all or was it I'm just in action. So I don't have those thoughts or what was it at that time? Because I know when we're so used to producing or having a steady income, when it's not there, that can definitely be something that eats at you.
1: It's so interesting. I think I had both at the exact same time. So it was a blend of imposter syndrome, limiting beliefs and self-doubt every day, while also just being so head down focused that I like didn't, I saw it passing by me, like the thoughts would pass by me, but I didn't have time to absorb them.
0: That's really cool. Uh,
1: Yeah. I was like too busy to absorb them. I think there's also some like blind, you know, ignorant confidence around it. And you're just kind of like, this is what I'm doing. And, and detaching from the outcome. So I didn't have a very specific plan. Actually, I didn't really have like an end goal. It was more, we're going to move. I need to make a name for myself. I want to get in on the industry. And at the end of the day, I have to help pay rent. So I'm willing to do whatever it's going to take. But I didn't have this like super clear um, target that I was going for, which could be counterintuitive, right? Because we're supposed to have these goals, but it was kind of like saying yes to everything yeah. and just being open to what it might look like and feeling it out. And I said yes to everything until I was able to start saying no.
0: It really is a privilege to start saying no to things. Yeah. Um, Did you know, there may not have been an end goal for it, but was there a feeling that you were searching for? So versus like, I knew what it didn't feel like in teaching. What was it in moving forward?
1: Yeah. So that unfulfilled feeling, I was trying to just find what it would be. And the decisions that I made while I said yes to basically everything, it always went back to, is this going to make me happy? And is this going to make me feel fulfilled? Because And this is something that I'm so grateful for Mike, my husband, we would sit down and have these discussions and he was like, you didn't leave teaching to replace it with another kind of quote unquote teaching job. So if it's not going to make you happy and it's not going to fulfill you, then you're not going to do it. Yeah. And so really just checking in with myself, like, does this feel good? Is this exciting to me? Yeah. Yeah.
0: And was it the teaching or, I mean, obviously you're in a place where you now teach, but was it the lack of, was it lack of impact? Was it...
1: Yeah, I think for me put a finger on it. I think it was a blend of things. So it wasn't so much it was definitely not teaching because I teach every day and I love teaching and it and I do think I was still making a massive impact as a teacher. I mean, my students now I have students that are I guess what would they be? The youngest student right now would be seven or eight and the oldest one is out of college. And I still talk to hundreds of them through Instagram. That's awesome. And I see where they go to school and they I've written I've written letters for them after you know, working with them. So I know that the impact is there. Um, But I think for me, specifically in this, in my elementary school, right, the the ceiling literally and figuratively was low. Like the toilets are little, (laughs) the ceilings are low. And I just felt very small. And something that I felt was, I was K through five. And so every year, my fifth graders would graduate, and they would move on. And they would go like, become sixth graders and go to high school and do these amazing things. And I just felt like I was getting older and older and older and like shriveled up in this small room. And I felt like I was just getting smaller and I couldn't, I felt like I couldn't breathe and I don't know if I can pinpoint. So I don't think I answered your question, but it just, it it kind of felt like there was a, yeah, like a cap and I didn't like having a cap.
0: (laughs) You are the goldfish in the small bowl.
1: Yeah, I guess.
0: Oh, that's great. I mean, my daughter right now is in second grade. Um, My mom used to be an educator. Um, She taught for 10 years. She was like seventh grade history. Um, But it's an incredible job. It's such, I think at times it was such a thankless job at times. Oh, for sure. Um, And it was, uh, it was one of those that like definitely took a toll on my mom. She was just like, I didn't want kids. I didn't want kids. I'm an only child. Um, That's probably why. (laughs) (laughs) She's yeah. like, I didn't want kids. I didn't want kids. Um. She's like, she just saw kids all day. Um, yeah. and she's like, there's so many that just need that need that extra love, that need that extra like time after school with their parents. And she's like, I can't do it. I can't do it. So anyways. Yeah.
1: Right. I, ha- I had an interesting analogy given to me. My first business coach I ever hired in 2014, she had said, basically, there's two types of people. We have the merry-go-round, and then we have the roller coaster. And so teaching was very much a merry-go-round. It's very... Um, it's stable and it's predictable and you kind of go around in circles and every year it's like the same holidays and the same time off. And you know, you're going to have, you know, weekends and summers and vacation. And it's just this merry-go-round of comfort really. Again, I'm not saying it's an easy job, but it's just a, it's a, um, it's a, it's like a sure bet. Right. And then there's the roller coaster, which is the entrepreneur where you live for the highs and the lows are really bad. Like the lows really suck. But it's really exciting and you never know what's around the next corner or when the next vacation is and how much money you can make and how many people you can work with. And it's just this crazy up and down, upside down, flip it around. And when she had told me that in 2014, the roller coaster sounded really intimidating and I didn't think that was something that I wanted. Again, I don't come from a family of entrepreneurs. Mm -hmm. Once I made the shift, for me, I think one of the, I'm like a merry-go-round, for me, it's just so boring. (laughs) And that's what I felt like I was living on.
0: So when we're going back to kind of the story of, look, like, you know, you were an educator, you left, you started putting yourself in the gyms right now. Was there a turning point where you're like, I feel like I'm getting traction. Was there something that kind of gave you a little bit of extra, like, you know, reserve to saying I'm on the right track, I'm on the right path. Like, how did you kind of navigate your way from there to the jest? Yeah.
1: I think in the fitness industry for me, I've had a really, um, a really incredible career in the fitness industry, one that people strive for. I'm very blessed. I've worked with every major magazine. Um, I've had some pretty cool accolades, been on TV a bunch of times, worked with a lot of celebrities. And so I think a lot of them were very ego-driven, but as I was in this industry, when I would get like an eight-page spread and check that box off, that would make me feel valid. And then I was asked to be on you know, this particular news station or that article or whatever and those external things were things that really made me feel like I was in alignment yeah. um and take it for what it is right they definitely were ego driven but they were the they were the permission that I needed to feel like I was on the right path and then becoming a business coach it happened accidentally and it happened after building out my own successful online business in health and fitness I'd been doing it since 2013 built it to multiple six figures by 2017 2018 And so people just started asking me how. So a lot of the fitness instructors here in the city were asking me, how did you build it? Can you teach me? And the more that I sat down and gave value for free, and the more that I sat down and gave tips and tricks and people would implement them and it would work, it was kind of that external validation again, where I was like, wow, I know something like I can, I can do this. This is pretty cool. Um, And that just kind of organically exploded this, this chapter and kind of where it all started.
0: And when did it transition from, you know, going from just, you know, fitness professionals to business professionals in general? Like, it seems like you've gone from kind of just this niche that you've really known really well, but at the same time, it just seems like it applies to so many different areas. Did it take time and exposure or you're like, I can help these people too?
1: It was a blend of both. It definitely took time and exposure. I think initially the bubble that I was working in with in that niche is just because it is my, it is my bubble. And it's also the language that I can speak. And I understand how the industry works and like the, the you know, just price points, all of that. Um, and after about nine months, I would say, of working with just fitness professionals, a couple of people started asking me who were outside fitness. And again, the same thing happened. Once I was able to help one or two, I realized that my strategies would work across the board. And so then the more that I was able to help them, the more my confidence grew. And then the more I was like, okay, I can do this. I can help other people. And it just kind of expanded from there.
0: So if someone's trying to dabble into the world or dive into the world of, let's say, course creation or coaching or any of these areas, do you have like a, here's what I want you to think about beforehand? Or what do most people maybe get wrong when they come and think about, I want to be in this field? um, And maybe what should they be thinking about?
1: Yeah, the biggest mistake I see specifically to course creation. This is the biggest mistake. So listen, (laughs) listen up. If you want to put together a course or like an ebook or something like that, the biggest mistake I see is people putting time, energy, effort, and potentially money into building this beautiful, beautiful ebook, beautiful course, creating all these modules, filming all these videos, doing all of this work, and then putting it out into the world and no one buys it. Mm -hmm. So the way that we teach it, the, the mistake that I see is actually the opposite. I want you to sell it first. If somebody buys it, if somebody gives you money and there's proof that people need what you're offering, then you create it and you actually create it live the first time that you're doing it. So if it's a group course, you use the first couple people, you stay a week or two ahead of them and you actually let them navigate the speed of the course, the direction of the course, the content of the course, because we often forget how much further ahead we actually are. And so a lot of times we think that we're going to put together all these different things and then you're really missing what your client needs because you're too far ahead or you're moving too quickly.
0: Really smart. Really smart. Um, what's, um, what do you say to people when they've only got, or what happens when it's just like, well, I've only got three people buying my products and I'm making this course and it feels like, uh, you know, I can't, or the social proof isn't there or just feels small, like what do you tell your clients for in terms of just confidence to be able to go out there and have those do a course for three people?
1: Yeah. So at that point, your job is to focus on those three people and offer and deliver the best experience for those three people. Like that's it. Don't focus on the people that you're not working with, focus on the ones that you are. And if you can give them an incredible experience and you can serve them like crazy over delivering, they're going to shout you out. They're going to refer you. And just by nature, Three is going to turn into six and six will turn into, you know, 12. And that's kind of just what happens. So your job is to really just focus on those people. And it's that ego again, remove the ego. When you ask those people for feedback, truly take their feedback and implement what they're saying, even if it stings, Mm. even if you think that you created the best thing in the world and they told you they didn't like a part of it, you have to really listen in because they're the customer and they're telling you what's working or not. And so if you could take that information and then implement it and make a change, it's going to be so much better the next time around.
0: I've had, um, I've had challenges and I've worked with people as well that have had challenges with pricing. So, Mm -hmm. um, small ticket and then trying to make that leap to selling their first high ticket item. What type of advice do you have for those types of people that are trying to make or try to figure out where to price their product?
1: I love this. I actually have an entire pricing, uh, training. Oh, nice. Nice. Yeah. I'd be happy to gift it to your audience. Please, but Yeah, for sure. Um, pricing. It's interesting. There's no right or wrong way. The way that I teach what works for me is opposite from what you're saying. So we actually teach the funnel in a reverse. So if you picture an upside down triangle with the point okay. facing down, you're going to keep your one-on-one coaching up at the top. That's going to be your highest usually investment. Then from there you go into your group coaching programs then from there, we bring it down to like an evergreen passive type course that you're not involved in. And then below that would be any sort of either like ebook or monthly membership. So we teach you to sell from the top down because it's actually easier to downsell someone than it is to upsell. And that's just basic psychology. Yeah.
0: And are there times where you, let's see, so if you go from top to bottom that way, are you trying to sell top first or? when you're bringing people in, do they come through lower ticket prices and move their way up? What I mean I that is to like, from top down. Okay. Awesome. Okay. Yeah. You no, know, I was yeah. curious because like there are a lot of courses that we'll do for opt ins, free opt ins or low ticket, 37, $47 product opt ins just to find your way into the funnel. Yeah. Into the funnel. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah.
1: yeah. Totally. yeah. I still, I teach, Yes, so we teach free opt-ins of, of course, right? You want to build your email list or your text message list. Um, especially guys, if it's 2020, we're focusing on texting right now, that's really important. <laughs> um, but you want to build that list. And what I like to teach is maybe taking that arsenal of $25, $35 products that you have and using them as bonus incentive add-ons to maybe a higher ticket course that you're selling. Um, and then it's something that can just live on your website, it could always be there. If you're not launching something, maybe you want to talk about it or do a swipe up every now and then, but I wouldn't focus on driving people through thirty five to a couple hundred to a couple thousand. I would take them from a thousand down
0: smart, really smart yeah, yeah. um and if I'm diving too much into the how to's and stuff, I don't want to take anything away from courses like I just no. have questions
1: i get i'm a, I love giving all of this i think I truly believe i just did I just did a piece of content on this. I truly believe that coaches, leaders, and teachers should be giving it all away. Like, people ask me all the time, how much is too much? When do I stop giving value? What do I not share? And when you're talking about the coaching world, the value is on the coaching, right? The value is on the trans- transactional back and forth with the coach. The content itself, the trainings, it's not proprietary. Like, we don't, it's not my information. I don't own it. I never did. These ideas are not mine. They were not even my teachers or my coaches, right? They came from generations passed down. So, Everything is Google-able. I'm not teaching anything that you can't find on the internet, but the value is in the transaction of the coaching, which is where you get the transformation. So yeah, so ask away, I'll, I'll, get, I'll give you whatever. <laughs>
0: <laughs> you're very generous. Um, so when you're looking at this top-down funnel, when you're looking at coaching at the top, some sort of, let's say, high-ticket item or mastermind after that, um, group coaching, you've got some sort of evergreen product as well. Where do you teach people to start? Because I think that if I just look up at the funnel, I'll just give myself look up at it. There's a lot to take in and do. So yeah. do you start with, you know, figuring out your niche first? Like how do you do some market research to even know that you're on the right track before you completely drill down into it?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Market research is really, really important. There's a lot of different ways that you can do that. But again, it's not really about us. It's about the client. So right at the beginning, just kind of gaining clarity around what are you already an expert at, what are you known in, what are you known for? And then figuring out your niche, your ideal client. From there we can start to get more into course creation. Um, but those things are, are crucial. You have to know who you're talking to, what are their pain points, what are their pleasure points or their desired outcomes before you can really start to go create.
0: And then do you start with straight to coaching or do you do a course or where's the first part of the funnel? That you really, tell clients to start?
1: Yeah, it really depends on the client and what they're kind of where they are in their journey and what they're comfortable with. Some people really don't like group courses, some people don't want to be doing one on one. I think naturally, even if you're starting with a group course, I think naturally it will often start as a couple people which really could be looked at as a couple Mm one-on-ones. And so you're going to need to work with a couple people before they turn into these like massive 30, 50 people launches. It always is going to start with a few. So whether you want to call it semantics, right? Like, is that a few one-on-ones or is that a small group? Either way, it's going to start with a few people.
0: Sure. So if I can kind of open up a little bit. So my, for me personally, and I'm I'm open to a little bit of coaching if you don't mind giving some right now. Um, So I've been in network marketing for... 20 years. This is 20 years for me in network marketing, which is nuts, right? I know. So crazy. Um, Isogenics was my second company, um, and I've been in with them for this will be 10 years on Isogenics. And they've been amazing, like absolutely amazing to me. Um, But there has been something over the past couple of years that I I don't do well with not knowing where I'm going. And for some reason it doesn't, hasn't felt the same. Like I don't have the same fire that I once had for network marketing in general. Mm-hmm. I don't think that's anything against the industry as itself. Like it's given me everything. Um, but I find myself in this place where I remember doing a course I'd never charged for my content, never charged for anything I've done in, in network marketing, mm-hmm. but I learned someone showed me how to build a funnel, how to go out there and sell a course. And I just, I love the concept. I love the idea. So I ended up doing like an eight week course for network marketing just for my own team. Yeah. And it was like a $47 product. Like it was nothing. Um, But we had like 40, 50 people buy and it was like the coolest 1500 bucks I've ever made. Like it was like the most exciting thing that I've done, except I didn't feel like going back and recharging my team. I was just like, I want to do something. Mm -hmm. Um, I think I've been a bit fearful of what do I do post network marketing? Um, Mm -hmm. And I, And it's been, the past year has been just trying to put myself, like you said, in different rooms, trying to see where my expertise lands because yeah, um, I'm just trying to find that next step at this point.
1: Yeah. I think one of the things, you know, we have, we have, I call them students just because we call it Empower University and I was a teacher, but, um, one of the things that I had my students do right at the beginning, aside from just a general brain dump, like just getting it out on paper, everything that you want to do, the bucket list items, the stuff down the road, all the big goals and dreams, just get it out on paper so you have space in your brain. Yeah. I think also really checking into think for a moment, like turn on some music, light a candle, really give yourself some space. What do people always ask me when you go to a family reunion and people are like, oh, Jason, like can I just talk to you real quick about whatever? Or I've been wanting to ask you about so-and-so, you know, such and such. When people slide into your DMs, what are they asking for? What information do you put out that people really resonate with? Like looking at basically how the world is perceiving you and your expertise. Because a lot of times we don't realize because the stuff that we know and we're good at, we like intuitively just are good at. We don't think of them as skills. Yeah. So it's what are people already asking you for? What are you known for? you know, people, oh, Jason, the guy who's whatever, fill in the blank. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And so if you can just start to kind of like brain dump out, what does that all look like? It doesn't mean that's the direction you have to take, but it gives you a better understanding of kind of what you're looked at for, how you're seen right now. And then what is the stuff that obviously like lights your soul on fire? What is the stuff that you get excited to talk about? I think people put a lot of pressure on themselves too with coaching, especially now as this bubble is just growing and growing they think that there's a lot of pressure around I have to have all these certifications and, and be good at all of these different things, which yes, please, if you're not you know, qualified, you shouldn't be lying about that. But at the same time, there are courses around how to like litter box train cats. I've seen courses on totally. how to make Christmas ornaments. Like what are you just good at? Are you, what do you love? Like, do you knit? Can you teach a course on knitting? I, I think we overcomplicate. And think that they have to be these like bigger than very much like school certification based, and they don't. They just don't. I mean, look at the beauty industry, right? Like, I'm not saying there's no certifications there, but YouTube beauty blogging vlogging is massive. It's just people showing people how they're doing makeup. And so, what can you show people? Do you love cooking? Do you want to have a little cooking show? I mean, you really can just make anything. Anything, of course.
0: That's awesome. Yeah. Um. How do you find, so I'm I'm a couple miles south of of San Francisco here. So just like you, I know you're in Manhattan. So we're blessed to be near really great cities. Yeah. Um, how'd you start finding, not necessarily in fitness, because I knew that you had a background there, but when it came to the business world, how did you start getting yourself in the room with the right people? Um, okay. mm-hmm. Hey. Yeah. You, pay, you say hey. Yeah, yeah. yeah.
1: I, you know... When you're not ready to invest, if you can't financially invest, you don't have to, right? You can just start following these people, call them mentors. I mean, some of my, my now one-on-one coach was my mentor for like eight years before he actually knew so. Um, Read the books, listen to the podcast, watch the YouTube videos, Google everything, and follow people who you can consider a mentor. If they are where you want to be, success leaves clues, right? So can you do what they're doing? Can you with not, don't be a stalker, but like, can you go to the events they're going to or listen to the books that they're listening to, or I'm sorry, read the books they're reading. So how can you kind of do the things that the people are doing who are where you want to be? And then when you are, um, I, I say ready very lightly cause you're never ready, but yes. when you are financially a little bit more secure and ready to invest, then invest and do it in a way that you're stretching yourself. I have never invested in a coaching program that didn't stretch me Mm-hmm. And I also have never not made my investment back tenfold. Mm-hmm. Um, I pay to get into the rooms that I want to get into. Mm-hmm. And I've worked my butt off to be able to do that. And it's something I'm really proud of. And my growth of how much I've invested went from, you know, just a thousand dollars to a couple thousand to multiple thousands to way more. I mean, the money that I've invested at this point is is crazy. But um, sometimes you have to pay to get into those rooms. And again, it might just be going to an event. You have to get uncomfortable, get on an airplane, fly, stay in a hotel. Like if, the, if that's what you want to do, especially if you're in a place in this country or any other country that you're not surrounded by these thought leaders and entrepreneurs. I have a lot of friends who are like in the middle, you know, in the middle of nowhere in the country. And, and they're like, this is not normal. I'm very, I feel very alone. And so they join these masterminds and that's where you really find your people.
0: What was your first what was the first thing that you created when it came to, I know that you were talking about building out um, and teaching uh, fitness professionals how to kind of create content and create courses. Was that kind of the first thing you put out or what was kind of like a, because I think so often we can look at the, like I, I can look at Lewis's stuff or I can look at Chris and Lori Harder's stuff and I can look at everyone's stuff. And I'm like, it looks freaking amazing. Your stuff looks yeah. amazing right now, right? Yeah, and I think so often we forget about, or at least I sometimes have to remind myself that like you just, I, my favorite thing to do is sometimes take people's feeds and literally go straight to the bottom if they haven't yeah. deleted everything you can feel like you just have to be this good on day 1 that's all yeah. you have to be like the grainy horrible filter day 1 shot because it's just time right yeah
1: mm-hmm. yeah i mean my first like my first product online would have been in 2013 and that was when i was just doing email back and forth people were paying me for fitness programs i don't even think i had a logo i just was sending You know, emails back and forth. People were snail mailing me checks at the time, so that would have been like the first thing. In terms of now, a little bit more recently, even the first iteration of Empower University, because I've now added to it or redone it a couple times over. Something interesting really it happened um, March of 2019. I took Empower University, all of the video modules, and I redid them with more, you know, a more curated. I mean, if you follow me, you'll know I never, (laughs) I don't get dressed up and wear makeup, but. Just a more a slightly more curated thing where we instead of I ha- sharing my screen of Google Docs, I shared my screen of Canva slides, right so like a little slideshow. Cool. What was interesting though, at the time I used to have open enrollment or rolling enrollment for Empower you it wasn 't open closed, so when I made the switch, there was a group of students who were living with me through the switch. The feedback after I made the switch was interesting hmm. while they could appreciate how pretty everything was. Any one of those students who went through the transformation actually says they like the first version better because the first version on non-curated, beautifully slide, you know, slides created Google docs gave them permission Mm. to just get the stuff out. And when they see my videos now, which are a bit more curated, they feel pressure to go make a slideshow and make it pretty and have brand colors. And I thought that that was really interesting. And um, I I get it. Like, I totally get it. Yeah.
0: That's awesome. That's really yeah. cool. Yeah, I think that like being able to see yourself in in the in the movie a bit is a huge help. I think being able to see kind of the imperfections at times is is such a big part of the big part of the journey. Yeah. Awesome. That's really yeah. awesome. I love it. Um as we're kind of winding down here, I just had a couple questions in terms of just let's say you're in the middle of it right now or for someone like me that's in the middle of wanting to go in this direction do you have any action items? Do you have any like here's where you should start or here's where you should, you know, begin the journey, whether it's, you know, uh getting in the room with people, whether it's um, you know, figuring out what you're known for. Um you give me a lot of actionable items. But I'm just curious if you, if there's something that you're like, hey, do these things.
1: Yeah. It's just such like not a great answer. Just stop waiting. Yeah. And, like do something. Just do anything. Do something. Yeah. yeah. That's it. Just take action on something, create it, put it out, make the phone call, slide into the DM, sign (laughs) up for the court, like just do something. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Awesome. I, Jess, I so appreciate the fact that you've been so open and candid, but also just straightforward. Like you don't have to come up with this amazing answer. Sometimes the simplest answer is the best. And I appreciate a how candid you are, but B it's just been awesome to have this conversation. Like I know the amount of work, the amount of students, the amount of things you have going on. And I'm just grateful that you were willing and open to spend the time and, and share your story with me.
1: Jason, thank you so much. And I just, I hope someone got one thing out of it, you know, one aha moment and please, you know, feel free to, to reach me, slide out, slide into my DMs. I love talking to people. I'll see you in my handstands. <laughs> yeah,
0: <laughs> by the way, if they want to catch up with you, where, where can they find you? What's the best way to kind of get their hands on Jess's stuff?
1: Yeah, best way to find me is Instagram. I'm on Instagram all day, every day. So it's at jess.glazer. That's with a Z. Um, but really, truly, I do talk to everybody in the DMs and I love having conversations. I mean, I work from home by myself. So <laughs> I'm all about having conversations. But yeah, Instagram would be the best way.
0: Cool. Very cool. All right. Awesome. We'll see you on the other side. I'm going to stop. Thanks again. I hope you guys grabbed some great value out of today's conversation. If you want to further the conversation, I'd love to meet you personally. We've got a free Facebook community that you can dive into, free content, more resources, and I do lives every single week where I get a chance to interact with you and help coach you on exactly what you need. If you want to find it, you can find us at The Business of Feeling Good or you can search the hashtag B-O-F-G. Again, that's hashtag B-O-F-G. If you like this episode, please share it. I'd love to hear from you. Your comments, your reviews truly mean so much to me. It's the lifeblood of what keeps me going and it's how I craft the content that's better gonna impact you. I look forward to seeing you guys on the next episode. Until then, cheers.